Welcome to Podcraft, honing the art of podcasting. The bite-sized show that covers one topic in depth each series. Your complete podcasting guide. Podcraft brings the pieces together so you don't have to. And now your host, Colin Gray. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of Podcraft. This is season five where we're looking into monetization or how to make a penny out of your podcast. So going through all the methods for monetizing your podcast from selling a product or a service to affiliates to sponsorship to Kickstarter. So any way that you can make a few pennies out of your podcast, hoping to help you out with that. And I hope you're enjoying the series so far. So far we've covered affiliate marketing, so how to sell other people's products on your podcast. We've also covered products and services, so selling your own products and services on a podcast. You'll find them on the previous episode. So by all means, look back at podcraft.net forward slash series five, and you'll find a full list of episodes there. Uh, And if you're listening to this after the season's finished, then you'll get all of the episodes. You'll see the full series. You can subscribe to the whole thing. So this time around, we're looking at one of the most common ways that people think you can make money out of a podcast. One of the sort of standard default methods that people uh, consider, I suppose, when they're first starting a podcast, and that is sponsorship and advertising. So the reason I think that these are so popular is because, well, firstly, they apply to just about any type of podcast. So I've talked before about products and services, but obviously products and services only really apply if you've got business. You have services to sell, you have products to sell. Even affiliate income, that really applies best to uh, really sort of um, work-based subjects or procedural things, like you're teaching somebody a certain thing or sports or, you know, something that really revolves around a product that you could sell as an affiliate. Whereas you have loads of podcasts out there which are just entertainment, they're news, they're informational. Maybe you just update people on politics goings on in your country, say. And there's not really a product that can necessarily uh, apply directly to that. Saying that, what we're looking to today is finding that sponsorship, finding that advertising. And it tends to be that those people that are going to sponsor you or advertise on your show need to have a product or a service themselves that's applicable to your audience. But then again, you might have an entertainment audience that, say, has a certain demographic. Maybe you talk to men of a certain age. Maybe your target audience is men between 20 and 30. Uh, you're a comedy podcast. All you do is interview people and talk about funny things. So therefore, a product doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. But there are lots of products that really are relevant to your target audience. So that demographic, for example, men 20 to 30, perhaps razors. So there are a few affiliate programs out there, for example, that revolve around razors, uh, Dollar Shave Club or um, a few others like that, that might do something like an affiliate deal, uh, sorry, a sponsorship deal for you. They might want to advertise on your show because you have such a targeted group of listeners in a particular demographic that suits their demographic. So sponsorship and advertising, I think, is popular because of the applicability widely across the range of podcasts that you get out there. Now, there is a bit of a misconception that it's pretty easy to do this. It's pretty easy to get sponsorship, but it's not at all. It takes time. 
So you have to build up yourself an audience. You have to prove you have a bit of sustainability, a bit of lastability. Um, you have to be putting shows out regularly. You have to know what your demographic is. You have to be able to sell your demographic. You have to be able to sell your audience and their engagement with you to a sponsor, to an advertiser. They need to know that the people that you're talking to, the people that their advert will go to. And obviously that translates to how well it's likely to convert. So that's what it comes down to. It comes down to their perception of how many people in your audience, how many people that listen to your show will end up buying their products or their services. Now, you could say you get some campaigns which are just brand visibility. So it might be that a, a purchase isn't necessarily the end result. But even if it is just brand visibility, even if a brand is just trying to get themselves out there, get themselves more well known, purchasing sales are still some way down the line. So they still need to know your demographics they still need to know who they're talking to so on this show on this episode i'm going to take you right through the whole process we're going to first talk about how to get sponsorship so there's a different few ways to uh, to get hold of sponsorship to find people that will sponsor your show uh, then we're going to go through how it works so the mechanics of actually running a sponsorship or an advertising campaign where you put those ads how those ads work in your episodes and then we'll go down to the numbers so actually how much you could earn out of this what you should be asking of sponsors or advertising and the different ways you can actually take payment as well and then finally we're actually going to go down to uh, how to find sponsorship and how to prepare for it as well so what you should be doing with your show to make sure that you're the most attractive possible show for sponsors that nothing could put sponsors off um, when talking to you about sponsorship so i hope that sounds good going to go through all of that and hopefully by the end of this show you're going to be uh, an expert in the area of sponsorship and advertising keen to go out there and find yourself a new advertiser for your podcast okay so with all that in mind let's get to the content the podcast host honing your skills get your free equipment buyer's guide at the podcasthost.com forward slash kit get the right equipment first time Okay, first off, there are two ways to go about getting sponsorship in the first place. Two approaches that I know of, I think it's worth starting with. There's the most obvious one that most people follow, traditional method, and that is to build an audience and then look for a sponsor. So this is the way that most people end up sponsorship. It's generally the way that most hobbyist podcasters end up making a bit of money out of their podcast because they'll just start speaking for fun they'll just start talking about a subject somebody who's talking about knitting for example they'll just end up doing 50 podcast episodes on knitting and just along the way they'll build themselves up an audience of a few thousand people uh, all of which engage with the show really enjoy the show and then they'll just think about how to maybe start to make the podcast pay for its own costs along that way and because you have a decent engaged audience by that point you can suddenly start to think oh maybe somebody will pay to reach this audience So that's the first way. You actually just enjoy creating the show. You build up that audience over time, over a few months at least, probably coming on for a year many times before people start to think about sponsorship. And then you go out there and you try and find somebody that is relevant to your audience that might want to sponsor you, that might want to advertise on your show. Now I'll go into the well, I'll go into how to find those types of people later on, how to find those types of sponsors a little bit later on in the show. But that is the kind of the mechanics. That's one of the approaches to getting sponsorship. Now I mention that because there is another way, and it's something that is happening a bit more often nowadays, 
as podcasting becomes a bit more um, serious or becomes uh, taken more seriously by industry. And that is to actually build yourself a project, plan a project and then pre-sell it to a sponsor. And I've heard this working quite well with quite a few clients recently, actually. So the idea here is that probably you will have a bit of a reputation in podcasting. So you'll have had to do a bit of podcasting in the past. So you've got a proven track record that you can deliver a decent, engaging podcast that will grow itself a decent set of listeners. And then once you have that reputation, you can decide, right, I'm going to do a season. I'm going to do, say, 10 to 15 to 20 episodes on a certain topic. I'm going to cover it start to finish. And that is my project. That is something I'm going to plan out. I'm going to create an episode plan. I'm going to talk about what I'm going to write out a plan of what's going to be in every single episode, what we're going to achieve and what uh, demographic, what target audience, what avatar this series is going to speak to. And then you take that plan and you find some sponsors that will be relevant to that audience. You go out there, you talk to those sponsors, you talk to those advertisers, you sell them on the plan. You tell them on how you're going to market this podcast, how you're going to get it out to a wider audience, probably with their help. That is one of the benefits of doing it this way because you can actually partner with a sponsor, with an advertiser. They can use that content that they're sponsoring as a marketing tool for themselves and they'll help you to get a wider audience because they'll push it out to their audience. But the general idea is that they pre-sell it, they pre-pay it, sorry, they pay for a lot of the development. You then develop the entire series and you deliver it in a partnership method. And obviously, this is quite a nice way to do it because you're guaranteed you're getting paid up front over a reasonably lengthy period of time to create an entire project start to finish. And it just can work very nicely for certain areas. As I said, it's probably not something that you can pull off if you've never done a podcast before. Maybe need a little bit of reputation, maybe a bit of uh, a bit of a network. But if you have podcasted in the past, if you can prove that you have done decent quality shows, you've built a bit of an audience in the past. This is something that can work really well for you. And like I said, I'm working with a few clients just now that uh, are taking that approach and uh, actually it's working very well. Now, just a final note on that just occurred to me. Uh, I talked about seasons, so actually creating a a project. That project doesn't need to be standalone, so it doesn't need to be something that is just a one-off. It could actually be seasons of your own main show. So you could say, so season three, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cover, for example, in my show, say season three was covering... Uh, building a peerless podcasting website. So I could have went to, say, uh, Bluehost and said, right, so I'm creating a series about creating this podcasting website. I'd love to work with you on it. You put it out to your audience on, um, tell them sort of how to create a podcasting website. So many Bluehost customers might want to create a podcasting website, are likely to buy more space from Bluehost or upgrade their space with them. So they help me promote it. And they also prepay for the 20 episodes that that series actually took up. And then obviously in your next season, you can sell it to a different company because you're going to be talking about a different topic. So it can work very well to pre-sell seasons if that's the approach you want to go with terms of sponsoring or advertising on the seasons of your podcast. Okay, so next, let's go into how it works. So how does it actually work when you actually get your sponsorship? So presuming you have found yourself a sponsor, or even you're actually just selling it to a sponsor, so you want to tell the sponsor, the prospective sponsor, how this is going to work, what you're going to offer. 
So there are some pretty normal methods for placing ads. Even though sponsorship advertising, podcasting in general, is still a little bit of the Wild West. Still, there's not really sort of conventions really laid down solidly yet. There's definitely conventions becoming more solid. There's things that are coming in as sort of the standards in podcasting now, as it sort of solidifies as a as a mainstream method, as it becomes more commercial. So the main methods for placing ads are three areas. You've got the pre-roll, the mid-roll and the post-roll. So let me talk you through what each of them are. Now the pre-roll, as you might guess, is pre-podcast. So this is at the very start of the podcast. This can be within the first minute or so of your podcast. So you might introduce your podcast first and then go into the pre-roll or you might actually just do it right at the start. Maybe you're going to put the sponsorship right up front um, and uh, it's up to you how you work it in, uh, how you work it in with your branding, with your introductions. So it's up to yourself. It's worth listening to a few different podcasts that do sponsorship to see how they do it. Um, but I would recommend normally you would introduce your podcast, you would do your normal theme music, you would just say welcome to the listeners and then you would say, so just to mention this show is sponsored by blah blah blah. Uh, if you want to check them out, go to blah blah blah, go to their website. So the pre-roll tends to be quite short. You'll maybe do 15 to 30 seconds, probably on the lower end of that, maybe more like 15 to 20 seconds, but some extent to 30. And you'll just mention the sponsor and you'll maybe mention what they do and give a little call to action. So say where people can go to find out more. But it's more just uh, informational. It's more just sort of notification that this show is sponsored by or this show is yeah, sponsored by. I was going to say advertised on by, but you will say sponsored by because that's more natural way. And then later on, you're going to give a bit more information. So the pre-roll is just to notify people. And then you go on to the mid-roll. Now, the mid-roll is something that appears around the middle of your show. So it's within the body of your show. So say your show is 30 minutes long. The mid-roll may be something between 10 minutes and 20 minutes in your show. So it doesn't need to be right in the middle. It doesn't need to be dead on that middle point, that 15-minute point. But the point of it is that you're going to talk about your topics, you're going to talk about your show for a little while, and then you're going to bring in this mid-roll. So people are going to be engaged, they're going to be listening to the content, the value that you're giving, and then you're going to insert the advert, the sponsorship at that point, so that uh, it really reaches your listeners. And for the mid-roll, you're going to talk for probably about a minute, around 60 seconds. Now you're going to give a bit more information here. You're going to talk about the product. You're going to mention the sponsor. You may be even going to mention a little bit of a personal story around how you found them, how you use the product. Ideally, you're going to be working with sponsors that you've used the product, you like it. You can actually give a genuine personal endorsement. So at this point, you can actually start talking about the product. You can mention it. You can say how you use it. And you can really sort of put it in your own words. You're hopefully not going to be just reading ad copy that the sponsor gives you. At this point, you can actually just sort of say, so talk about the sponsor for today. Here's how I use it. Here's how I found it. Uh, put it in your own words. Take their, their main points, you know, the benefits of the product. They're going to give you a bullet point list of the benefits. And you're going to read them out in your own words. Give them a bit of your own personality. And that's one of the big reasons why podcast sponsorship works so well, because it's read in the, the host's own voice and it's given by the host to those listeners that trust that host. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not the sort of standard cheesy advertising lingo. It's just told by the host in their own way. OK, so that's the mid-roll. You're talking through the product in your own words somewhere around the middle of the show. Then we move on to the post-roll. Now, post-roll is maybe less common. 
uh, it tends to be, uh, for example, the post roll is not actually advertised or offered by some of the podcast sponsorship agencies out there. So they tend to, many of them actually just do a pre-roll and a mid-roll. Uh, a lot of people that run a lot of sponsorship actually just swear by just pre-roll, mid-roll. But I have heard a lot of people having success with the post roll. Uh, so it's worth thinking about. The post roll is basically at the very end of your show. Part of your outro, you're saying for people to go and check out your stuff, you know, get back to the show notes, uh, give you a review on iTunes, that type of thing. And you're also going to say, and remember, who sponsors a show? Please do go and check them out at something. So you're going to give the listener a call to action. You're actually going to say, go and do this for the sponsor at the very end of the show. Whatever it is the sponsor wants you to do. So whether that's the sign up to email list, go and look at a website, or maybe it's actually go straight to the checkout and buy the product. And that's what the post rolls for. It's going to be short. It's going to be probably sort of 15 seconds or so long. Just a little mention. And that's placed in at the end. Now, I'm not sure why not many people do the post roll. Because a lot of people argue, and I agree with this, that the post roll can be one of the more valuable ones. Because people who listen to the very end of the show are really engaged. They've really enjoyed the show. They've got a lot of value from it. They're obviously um, enjoying the show. They're obviously taking so much from it that the trust is built up to a certain level, whereby if they get to that, if they listen to this point, they're looking for more stuff to do. And therefore, the people that have listened to that post-roll advert are perhaps more likely to actually take action on it. So I think it's worth including. I think it's worth testing at least. Differs for every single show, but uh, worth testing, worth seeing what the sort of engagement rate is. And I'll talk a little bit more about testing of your adverts later on in this episode. Now, before we move on, just a few more comments around how you actually insert these adverts into your show. I talked a little bit about the fact that you're going to give it your own personality, you're going to give a bit of transparency, maybe your own personal recommendation. And that is really what works for podcast uh, advertising. The other thing that I want to say is that I think it's worth doing it ad hoc every single time. And by that, I mean, you're actually going to just insert it uh, during your recording of the show, which means it's going to have different words, it's going to have a different little anecdote perhaps every time, you're going to say it in a different way each time. The alternative, of course, is to pre-record it. And I know some shows that do pre-record sponsorships and advertising. So there's one of my favourite shows actually does this at the start. I won't mention it because I don't like to call out people, especially if I'm saying it uh, perhaps in a negative uh, uh, way, but there's about three minutes worth of sponsors at the start of this show every single time. They're often the same, so we obviously get sponsorship over quite a few months. And I've learned, I've listened to those sponsorships, obviously, because I do trust the uh, the host. I want to hear uh, what's going on, what he is endorsing. So I've listened to them. I've possibly thought about buying those products. But nowadays, I actually fast forward many of those sponsorships because I've heard them before. And he says it in exactly the same way every single time because it is pre-recorded. So they can become a little bit of ad blindness if you're pre-recording your sponsorships and inserting them each time. So you really want to be doing it in a different way each time. Um, and a really good example of this, and actually another method for doing it, is if you look at Gimlet Media. So the original startup podcast, which was by Gimlet Media, used to put in advertising, uh, they still do, I believe, in all of their shows, whereby they actually interview the sponsors. They actually go into the sponsors' offices, ask them questions, get a bit of personality, find out more about the people behind that company. Uh, for example, MailChimp. Uh, Alex Bloomberg went in and spoke to, they had MailChimp as a sponsor in the early days. He went in and spoke to people within MailChimp. He actually interviewed them. He found out what was going on, sort of personal stories. And it was actually really entertaining content. But 
it sponsored as it was sponsored as well. It actually it, it meant that you were getting money for this content. You were putting in, in advertising, but it wasn't turning off your listeners. It was actually giving them something of value. It was giving them entertainment. And if you can manage to do that, if you can manage to put your sponsorship, your advertising into your show while still entertaining your listeners, while still giving them value, then that's a real win-win because you can make money from it, but it's not putting off your listeners or it's not putting in a section of the show that they're actually not so interested in, that they just have to kind of listen through because they know that it's helping you to pay for the show and for you to give them more valuable content in the future. So it's worthwhile listening through to some of the Gimlet shows to listen to it, to hear how they do that. And they even separate out their adverts by having special advertising music, which they play in the background, which is a nice little touch, actually, because it, it really adds that, uh, authenticity, that kind of integrity, because you're pointing out when you're advertising, you're pointing out when you're getting paid for this content, and therefore it's pretty obvious uh, when you're sort of given your value, when you're given your free stuff, and when you've been paid for it, and when people should think maybe this is a commercial thing. So um, maybe not take it with a pinch of salt exactly, but you know, just to be aware of that. Now, that also brings us to the subject of numbers and quantity, because if you want to make sure that you're not putting off your listeners, you're not putting in too much that might be seen as advertising that might put them off a little bit. Um, for example, that three minutes worth of advertising at the start of the show that I tend to fast forward because it is quite a long time to listen through. Um, you want to make sure you're not putting in too much. I tend to think that one big sponsor is the way to go. Find one sponsor that is really valuable to your audience, is really relevant to your audience, that you can build a good partnership with, that you can really drive conversions so they're getting a lot of value from it and therefore they're willing to pay good money to sponsor your show. And therefore you're only having to do one, one pre-roll, one mid-roll and one post-roll each time, but you're getting good money for it because you've proven those conversions. Some shows can get up to two or three uh, and I'm not I'm not ruling that out at all. So you could do, say, one company for the pre-roll and a different company for the mid-roll. Or you could do a couple of pre-rolls and a couple of mid-rolls. Or just alternate it, one pre-roll, two mid-rolls, one, two pre-rolls, one mid-roll, that type of thing. So I would recommend, though, not going above three as a maximum. Even two can be pushing it a little bit. The thing is, you don't want to put off your audience. You don't want to um, to sort of dilute the value that you're giving too much. On the other hand, though, you are giving a lot of value. You have built an audience. You are putting your time into this. So don't be afraid to say to the audience, right, I'm introducing sponsorship now. Uh, this is basically what's going to pay for the show. I hope you really enjoy the show. I hope you don't mind listening through it. I am going to try and find stuff that will be of value to you, that has good quality products, all that kind of stuff. So there is a balance there. You want to make sure that you're making the audience aware of what you're doing. You're getting paid for what you're doing, especially if you're putting a lot of heart and soul into this, a lot of time into this. But then again, not putting off the listener, not totally overloading the show. So I think one big sponsor, if you can, that's going to pay a good bit of money for you or two to three smaller sponsors that you can spread throughout the show. OK, so that's the mechanics. Let's get down to the numbers. This is the stuff that I most often get asked about. And it's also the stuff that's a bit hard to quantify. So in terms of how much you can get paid, this differs quite drastically between different shows. And the reason it differs is because shows, basically, it depends on how relevant you are to the sponsor. 
So you can have a show which has only got 500 listeners, say. I say only, I mean, that's a good amount of listeners. But in terms of sponsorship numbers, that's on the kind of lower end of where you can find a decent uh, level of sponsorship. So say you have 500 listeners, you're on the lower end of the sponsorship spectrum. But you could be uh, doing something on, say, uh, mountain biking. So I always talk about mountain biking. That's one of my sort of hobby shows, one of my passions. I could do a show which is on general mountain biking, talking about mountain biking news, uh, maybe interview some riders, talking about fitness, nutrition, bike bits, all that kind of stuff. I might do a really general show which attracts a really general audience about mountain biking. And that's a pretty good audience. So somebody that sells mountain biking equipment Uh, might advertise on that and it's likely that they might sell a few bits so say this person sells um, pedals so it's a pedal manufacturer they might advertise and they might sell a few pedals because a proportion of my general mountain biking audience is interested in really sort of tinkering their bikes and upgrading their components and really playing around with building bikes on the other hand, say I have a mountain biking podcast which is focused solely on bike builders so I have <clears throat> a really niche audience which is just focused on people that enjoy upgrading, enjoy tinkering, enjoy building bikes. And I've got 500 listeners for that show. Uh, I didn't mention previously, so say that general show has like 5,000 listeners. So I've got 5,000 mountain bikers who enjoy listening to that general show before. And I've got 500 listeners listening to this really specific show on mountain bike upgrades and stuff like that, mountain bike building. Now, you can probably see where I'm going with this. That specific show, those 500 listeners, are probably far more likely to buy the pedals from this pedal manufacturer that might sponsor my show than that general audience that are probably just into their bike and they just buy a pre-made bike. They never actually upgrade their bike, change the components. They'll take their bike to the shop if they need stuff fixed. They are into their biking, but actually they're not into particular parts uh, of this particular niche of upgrading, buying parts for their bike. So my 500 listeners in my niche show are much more valuable, are likely to drive far higher conversions than the 5,000 listeners, the 10 times that listeners in the general show. Now you might get a subset of that general show that are into it. So maybe there's 500 of that 5,000 that are likely to, to be interested. So it might end up that that's kind of even that actually you get the same conversions from both of those shows but if you were to follow a pure uh, cost per meal method which i'll talk to talk about in a minute where basically you pay per thousand listeners that 500 show is going to earn far less using that method than the 5000 listener show so i'm going to talk about numbers in a minute i'm going to talk about methods but really it comes down to how you can sell your show and how relevant you are to the sponsor you can get a far higher price per thousand listeners or per action or flat rate if you can say that your audience is really, really relevant to that sponsor. It's going to be really targeted, is much higher, uh, much more likely to convert. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind while I talk through this, um, that, uh, that you can be on the upper end if you can really convince a sponsor that you're that relevant. Okay, so getting to the payment methods. First one, and probably the more common one, is the cost per meal. Uh, the meal, I have no idea why, but it's the French word for thousand, so it's cost per thousand listeners. Now, in this, there's some standards. Like I said earlier on, it's still, still things are solidifying in podcasting. So people can give you a kind of range of standards. There's a few uh, agencies out there. For example, Midroll are one of the biggest podcast uh, advertising agencies out there. They'll give you a set of standards. There's obviously quite a few podcasters out there that do a lot of sponsorship. We talk about the sort of sponsorship prices that they get as well. And I'll go through all of these. 
but again, it can vary quite a lot. And you'll be on the top end of this range if you're really relevant to that audience, like to convert well, the bottom end, end of the range if you're maybe more general. So the mid-roll CPMs that they talk about, they talk about something like $6 to $13 for a 30-second, for a 20-second pre-roll. So that's for your pre-roll. If you just sell a pre-roll on the own, uh, on its own, you'll get something between six and thirteen dollars per thousand listeners. So you've got a thousand listeners. You might get something like ten dollars for every episode that you do that pre-roll in. So you get a sponsor for a month just for pre-rolls. You're going to get forty bucks for that month. Then, if you go into the mid-roll, so your sixty-second mid-roll, you may be going to get between eleven and eighteen, according to mid-roll. Yeah, I know it's confusing. You've got a section in the show called Midroll and then you've got Midroll, the actual agency. So try to keep in mind I'm talking about both of them. Um, but say you're on the middle of that range, you're talking about, say, $15 for a 60 second Midroll. So you've got a thousand uh, audience show. Uh, you're selling a pre-roll and a mid-roll. That means you're getting about $10 for the pre-roll and then $15 for the mid-roll. So that's $25 per episode for that sponsor for only a 1,000 listeners. So if you can get yourself up to a 1,000 listeners, it's conceivable. It's pretty likely that you can get yourself into the position where you could get $25 per show, so $100 per month. That pays for your equipment, at least. It's about to be your money. So you're talking about um, sort of decent numbers here as soon as you start to get into the thousands of listeners. And of course, if you want to start to branch that out, get yourself two sponsors, obviously you're doubling that, tripling that. Again, you don't want to dilute it too much, but yeah, that's the that's the numbers there. Now, that's the mid-roll numbers. A lot of other podcast sponsors, uh, a lot of podcast hosts out there that do sponsorship actually talk about higher numbers than that. They say it's closer to, say, $20 for a pre-roll, $25 for a mid-roll. And I've had experience with that as well, uh, being much higher than the mid-roll numbers there. I believe that the mid-roll, mid-roll will obviously take a cut. So they're an advertising agency. So that's possibly why they're talking about the lower CPMs. And obviously they take a lot of work out of it as well. They'll find you sponsors. Uh, they'll find you advertisers. So if you want to go with an agency, take a lower cut, but actually take a lot of the work out of it, then possibly that's well worth it for you. To me, actually, I'd probably rather let somebody else handle, handle the, the searching and then I can get on with the stuff I do best, which is creating content uh, and actually delivering that content. So it could be well worth it. But if you want to go on your own, actually try and find your own sponsors, you could get up to $20 for a pre-roll and $25 for a mid-roll. So by that point, you're talking about $45 per episode. You're talking about coming on for $200 per month if you're a weekly show with about a 1,000 listeners. So obviously, it jumps up quite a bit there. Now, obviously, I've covered in depth already the whole relevance thing. So you're on the upper end of that, obviously, if you're very relevant. And if you can make an argument that you're actually super relevant, you're going to be really targeted, you can go beyond that. I mean, there's people I've heard of getting, I've talked to podcasters who get CPMs of around $30 for pre-rolls and mid-rolls. And even above that, if the, the audience is really, really relevant. And you can actually... I mean, it's, it can be tricky figuring out these numbers in the early days. You've not started doing it yet. You don't really know what your conversions are, especially with a new advertiser. You don't know how that advertiser is going to convert. And you can't offer testing. Something to be careful of. You don't want to really give away free advertising because 
some advertisers might actually be think it valuable just to advertise for a month and then move on to a different show. They think they've saturated that audience, say. So you don't want to give away a month for free or anything like that. But you could give away a month for maybe a lower set rate. So you quit what click-throughs you get and possibly set up an agreement whereby if you get more than, say, 100 click-throughs, you can track these click-throughs using special links, uh, using a tool called Pretty Link, for example. So you set up a particular link that you send people to uh, when you read your your advertisements and then you can track those click-throughs. And if you get more than a certain amount of clicks, then you'll put the rate up to, uh, say, uh, $20. So you start at, say, $15 for the test. You'll go up to $20 if you get a certain amount of clicks or even $30 if you get a, a really high amount of clicks. So that type of testing uh, can be quite attractive to an advertiser if they get a slightly cut rate for the first two weeks, say, or the first month. It's something that can work. But again, be careful of that because some advertisers will see it as being worthwhile going for just a month or maybe that lower rate and sort of move on to a different show afterwards. Really what you're looking to do is build a partnership with an advertiser over the long term. And there's a lot of evidence to show. I've seen a lot of um, podcasts showing that sponsorship does work over the long term. Uh, So if you keep talking about a sponsor for three, four or five months, then that starts to get really good success for that sponsor. So you want to be able to build up a sponsorship agreement that's really attractive to both of you for the long term. Now, obviously, the cost per meal, the CPM model is really attractive to people who have a large audience. So if you've got 10,000, 15, even up to 100,000 listeners, suddenly those multiples are getting really attractive. So if you've got a big audience, you're probably going to be looking at CPM. But the other option, which is flat rate, still could be attractive to you, especially if you can prove the types of conversions you get. But flat rate actually is really attractive probably to lower audiences as well. So say you're in the sub-thousands or even low-thousands category, the CPM might not give you massive rates, but actually you're really relevant sorry you're really relevant to particular audiences. You might be able to negotiate a really good flat rate. So again, taking that that mountain biking example, I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about big building and stuff like that. So I go to a pedal manufacturer and I say, I think I can get you say ten sales off every single episode, uh, and you might be able to negotiate a really good flat rate off that because they know they're going to make say um, three hundred pounds worth of profit off those sales. You can say, well, I'll charge you a hundred pounds per that episode. That's maybe way more than you would get in terms of the cost per thousand, but you can justify it because they're actually going to get that profit. You're going to get that return on investment. So that's something that can be considered probably once you're a bit more experienced, once you start to see what the conversion rate on your advertising is, once you become a bit more confident in selling your um, unique offer, selling your engaged audience, selling how engaged your audience says and how likely they are to take action on what you talk about. But essentially, just to summarise that, you go to an advertiser, you say, right, the flat rate is £50 per episode. I have this many listeners, but it doesn't really make a difference how many listeners I have. It's a flat rate per episode. So that could be something that works for small audiences, big audiences alike. But I find that possibly that works best for people who have a really defined audience. They already know the kinds of conversions they get. They know how relevant the audience is going to be to a particular product. Now, the final one is a cost per action. So this means that you're going to be charging an advertiser or a sponsor based on how many actions people take um, based on that advertisement. So the action can be defined in a few different ways. The action might be a simple click. It might actually just be somebody clicking on a particular link 
in your show notes or actually just following a link that you read out on the show and going to the advertiser's website. So you maybe read out that link and you'll track how many people use it and go to the advertiser's website. That can be a way um, to to sort of track an action. Another action might be a sale. So actually that's the more likely one. That's the one that's used more often. So you're going to try and drive sales. Maybe you give it a referral code, which gives a 10% discount, say. So that encourages your listeners to use that referral code. And then the sponsor, the advertiser, can actually track exactly how many sales you have referred to their website. This is very similar to affiliate marketing. So I talked about affiliate marketing in episode two of the series. This is very similar because you're basically only getting a commission on every sale or a commission on every action. So the advertiser is going to value, say it's not a sale, it is a visit to the website. The advertiser is going to value that uh, that lead, that person that comes to your website at a certain amount and you're going to get a commission on that amount. So that's what cost per action is. It's obviously more attractive to the advertisers because they only have to pay out if there's success, if the listener actually does something based on that advert. So they're not uh, standing to lose money on this. They're only going to, say, pay out on a sale. But obviously, equally, it's a little bit less attractive to you because you're depending on those successes for your money. So it's a lot less guaranteed. If you arrange a cost per thousand uh, sponsorship, then obviously you're kind of guaranteed a certain amount of money for your next four, eight shows, however much they agree to. But the cost per action is going to change every single month. Might be that you can actually set it up so that it's becoming quite reliable. I mean, affiliate income, once you get uh, a decent amount of people going through it, can become quite reliable if you can trust that that many people are going to take it on average every month. But uh, it's definitely less reliable, so it can be less attractive to you as an advertiser. The biggest attraction, though, to people of this model is that it's much less dependent on you selling your show. And also it's much less dependent on listener numbers. So you could go to a sponsor and say, doesn't matter how many listener numbers I have, doesn't matter how experienced I am, doesn't matter anything. I will read out an advert for you if you will track the sales and give me a commission. And they'll go, well, why not? It's worth trying. So it's a lot easier, well, it's a much easier sell to an advertiser, to a sponsor. And actually... You don't even really need to sell it to a sponsor because, like I say, it's just affiliate income. You don't actually need to get a formal sponsorship for this. Uh, the traditional one was Audible. So Audible uh, audiobooks sponsored <laughs> tons of shows back in the day. I think they still do, in fact, because, uh, well, I say sponsored, but actually they didn't They didn't sponsor at all. They just had an affiliate deal, which was uh, $15, I believe, to get anyone to sign up to Audible. So you would read out an advert for Audible, and every time somebody signed up, you'd get $15 for that sign up. Similar with Amazon, Amazon do a really good affiliate scheme. So if you were just to uh, take a couple of products on Amazon that are relevant to your audience, uh, say you're a knitting podcast and there's a great set of knitting needles on Amazon, you could advertise those knitting needles or a a collection of yarn or a a knitting pattern book or whatever. That is your sponsor. You take that as your sponsor. You read it out every time on the show and you get a commission every time somebody buys that. So it's, it can be set up in a less formal way whereby you're not actually agreeing with the sponsor, you're just signing up to their affiliate deal. But equally, you can set it up in a formal way. You can go to a sponsor, you can sort of, um, you can agree a discount, discount codes and actually get a, a more exclusive uh, sponsorship because uh, other people aren't doing it. For example, Audible appears everywhere and it's probably not that relevant to a lot of podcasts, but you could go to something like, um, like a knitting uh, pattern manufacturer for that knitting show, get them to agree to uh, set up an affiliate code 
uh, a referral code on their site. You get 10% off each time. You get 20% of the sale each time. Set up that formal tracking and therefore it works a little bit better for you. It's a little bit more guaranteed. It's a little bit more exclusive and therefore it's given more value to your listeners. Okay, so that's the three methods. You've got cost per thousand, you've got flat rate and you've got the cost per action. So really, I hope I've talked you through which ones might suit you best, depending on your context. Really, it comes down to your relevance, how well you can sell your show, your listener numbers. There's a bunch of different factors that go in there and it's quite personal. And it might be that you actually mix and match. You might have one cost per meal uh, sponsor one month and then a flat rate one the next month and just try and see which ones work for you, which ones attract sponsors in your industry most uh, most often. In terms of listener numbers, it's worth going through that just very quickly. Uh, again, it's hard to get um, strict numbers in this because it does depend on your relevance, it depends on your audience a lot, it depends on your industry. But I have heard people speaking, so for example, Midrill, I heard Midrill speaking at Podcast Movement about the fact that um, they sort of consider three to 5,000 as a good starting point for decent level sponsorship. So once you're up to, say, the 3,000 listener level, you can start to look at more professional, more commercial sponsorship levels. I tend to think that that's maybe a bit high, actually. There's a lot of people that have a 1,000 or so listeners that can get a good sponsorship deal. Obviously, it's not going to start to earn you enough to quit your job at that point, uh, unless you've got a really relevant audience that's converting like crazy. But you can start to think about it at that point, at least delve your um, dip your toes into the world of sponsorship and advertising uh, once you get up to that 1,000 or so. But certainly, by the time you get to 5,000, midroll are saying that, that's when they'll really speak to you and start to push you out to some really professional advertisers. So that gives you an idea of um, of the numbers you're looking at before you can start to look at that sponsorship concept. Now, when I say that, I should clarify exactly what that means. When I say 5,000 listeners, I'm talking about downloads per episode. So the way you measure your listener numbers for that sponsorship purposes, it tends to be around the month mark. So look at your listeners for one episode, your latest episode. Look at how many people have downloaded that episode one month after it has been released. Some people talk about six weeks, so you could look back to six weeks. That'll add a few numbers to it. Not sure how many people continue to listen to your show in particular going on past that one month mark, but one month is safe. One month means that you can guarantee pretty safely to your sponsors that you're going to get them that many listens on that episode that you're going to sponsor them. The last thing you want to do is to oversell a sponsor, to say to them, I'm going to get you 5,000 listens and actually that episode only gets, say, 3,000. Because they might ask you the stats, they might ask you to show them. So I think it's better to play safe and I would tend to go for a month. Although if you really want to, you could go out to six weeks, but I think a month, a month is a, a safe period to go for. Now, there are a few things that go into me saying that, to be honest. there's a couple. The first thing is actually that we're, like I said already, we're still a fledgling industry here in terms of commercialization. Podcasting has been around for a long time, but in terms of sponsorship, in terms of commercializing this whole thing, we're still fledgling. We're still figuring it out. And we don't want people to be inflating numbers. We don't want people to be overselling podcasts, so say, saying I've got 5,000 listeners and then the sponsor pays for that many listeners and actually only gets 10 conversions. Or they pay for that many listeners and actually that show only gets 2,000 because you were basing it on, you know, lifetime listens and it just doesn't really work out like that over the long term, over average. So be responsible to your industry by treating sponsors well and it will be beneficial to us all in the long term. If we manage to get 
sponsors in here. We get more traditional industries in that don't really know sponsorship uh, as a, as a method for advertising themselves uh, on podcasts. I mean, if we can get them in here and really make them realise how popular, how um, how effective podcast sponsorship is, and how trustworthy podcasters are, uh, then obviously that's going to benefit us all in the long run. Okay, so we figured out how sponsorship works. Let's go on to how to find sponsorship now. I have actually gone into quite a lot of this already, so I'll just skim over it really. The big thing is that you're looking for somebody relevant, so the relevance of your audience. You're looking for a product that is going to be really relevant, it's going to be really attractive to your audience, something that they are going to hear about and they're going to go, oh, I think that sounds really interesting. Therefore, you're not going to be advertising, say, uh, men's razors on a women's talk show. You're not going to be advertising bike bits on a knitting show, crossing over the stuff I've talked about already. You're going to be talking about pedals on a bike show. You're going to be talking about knitting patterns on a knitting show. You're going to be talking about men's razors on a, a men's health show, that kind of stuff. You're going to think, find something that's really relevant. Um, and will be really attractive to your audience. You're not wasting their time. You're not putting in stuff that's just irrelevant to them and boring them. Ideally, you're going to find something that you've used so that you can actually personally recommend, so that you actually know is good quality. And if people go out and buy this thing, use this service, they're not going to be disappointed. The worst thing you do, you can do is actually spon- get a sponsor um, that actually lets your listeners down. Because that means you're going to degrade your trust, you're going to lose listeners, you're not going to have a great conversion on your future sponsorships because people are not going to trust it. Um, there's a good, great example of this is uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast. So he talks uh, about a few sponsors and every single one of his is a personal recommendation. He only allows people on to sponsor his show that he's actually used in the past. Uh, he's got stuff that is very general. Uh, so he breaks a few of the rules I've talked about already, but then his is a very general audience. So he talks about stuff like underwear. (laughs) So he talks about the underwear he uses all the time and they sponsor him. He talks about a nutritional supplement that he uses all the time and he talks about them. So they are relevant to people who follow him though, because that's the type of stuff he always talks about, sort of lifestyle efficiency. So it's about thinking about your avatar, your ideal listener, your demographic, and finding things that are relevant to them. And you know what? Because you're talking about your subject, there's bound to be lots of products that you use. My mountain biking phone, for example, I've got lots of bike brands, lots of bike bits that I use, my favourite bike bag, my favourite bike jacket. I can talk about them. I can use them as sponsors. That's the stuff they should think about straight away. What products do you use? What products do you love? Approach those companies, approach those manufacturers and start to see if they will set up a sponsorship deal with you. Maybe they'll sponsor you directly or maybe... If they don't sponsor directly, maybe if they're a huge company, um, maybe it's a big bike brand, they're unlikely to sponsor a small show, um, then maybe I'll sell, I'll find a shop. So maybe it's going to be something like Wiggle. So Wiggle is a bike uh, sales place, <laughs> a bike sales place, a bike shop. You can go there and you can buy bits for your bike. So I could actually get an affiliate deal with Wiggle or a sponsorship with Wiggle and I can still manage to sell the products that I really enjoy. I can just talk about the particular products that I enjoy and say, you can buy these at Wiggle and Wiggle will get uh, a sort of, yeah, get some conversions from that. So that is the first place to find them. Just thinking about what you use, what you enjoy and what companies you might want to get on your show. Next around, of course, you can start doing some online research, start to find some other people who have been advertising in the past. One of the best ways to do this is to get on Google and search for your topic. So say it's the mountain making again, I search for mountain bike saddles. 
I'll look over on the right-hand side, look through the AdWords adverts. Look at the AdWords, AdWords adverts at the top. See who is advertising. So these people have budget for advertising um, in their area. These people are already spending money on advertising, so they're likely to be susceptible <laughs> to the idea of advertising on a podcast. If you can sell it to them, talk to them about the conversions you get, the relevance of your audience, maybe they can put some of their advertising budget towards uh, your show. So search around in Google, look at the adverts, look at the advertising banners on websites that you enjoy around your topic, see who's advertising on there and start to approach those companies to see if they're up for advertising. Other shows as well. So listen to podcasts. I'm sure you do already, but listen to other podcasts in your niche. Listen to shows which talk about your subject and listen to who's sponsoring them. And then a nicely worded email, a nicely worded uh, inquiry towards those shows might well yield another sponsorship. Finally, magazines are a great source as well. So this is a way to get more traditional advertisers onto your show. If you look through a magazine on knitting, for example, you've got a knitting show, you'll have lots of advertisers within that magazine that are advertising knitting products or knitting related products. Those people obviously have an advertising budget, the fact that they're advertising within this magazine. So you can approach them and say, uh, well, just make your proposal, say what the benefits are going to be, what your costs are, see if they're interested. So that's a great way to find people as well. Now, all of those are the ways to find sponsors on your own. So that's you put in a bit of legwork, you're going to get uh, the entire sponsorship fee, but it is a fair bit of work to manage that. Sponsors turn over, there's a bit of a churn. Maybe you get a sponsor that's with you for a couple of months, but then it changes over, you've got to go and try and find another sponsor. So there is a bit of work in there. And that's why it is actually worth sometimes working with an agent, like I've mentioned Midroll already, but I'll also mention Blueberry. So Blueberry are who I use for a lot of my, uh, well, they, who I use for my, my media hosting. I also work with them on a few different things. So Blueberry are a great uh, hosting company. They do podcast hosting and podcast websites. They also do sponsorship though. So if you sign up for the Blueberry stats, then you can be uh, eligible for Blueberry advertising. Now, I talked earlier about Midroll and the fact that they're probably more relevant for the bigger shows. So they talk about having three to 5,000 listeners before you can start to work with them. I do believe they work with smaller shows, so I wouldn't like to say don't contact them if you have a smaller show, but I think that they are, uh, they're more likely to work with you if you have a bigger audience. But Blueberry have a scheme whereby they sell advertising in bulk. So they set up an advertising deal and then they sort of filter this down to their smaller shows. So you can get some very varied advertisers, some very varied advertising opportunities, but you can get those advertising opportunities even if you have a very small listener numbers because they tend to buy it in bulk and then spread it around their shows. So that's something that's worth exploring. Even if you just sign up for the free stats over at Blueberry, in fact, if you go to podcraft.net forward slash Blueberry, spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, then that'll direct you towards the Blueberry site. And if you sign up for stats there, uh, then you can be eligible for their advertising shows. So you can get free stats. So you can actually upgrade to $5 stats. And if you're thinking about sponsorship, the stats are a big thing. I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show just in a moment. But if you sign up for their free stats, you get um, you're eligible $5 pro stats and you're you're definitely eligible because you've got really good uh, tracking of the people that listen to your show. But the point is, 
there are people out there that will help you to get sponsorship. Midroll and Blueberry are the two that I'll talk, I'm talking about just now, but there are others out there as well. So you can feel free to search around just for podcasting advertising agencies and even joining a network. If you joined a podcast network, then they start to sell uh, advertising for you, sponsorship for you. You give up a bit of control, you become part of that network. So there's responsibilities that you have to that network, but it does give you sponsorship opportunities that you probably wouldn't get otherwise. Okay, let's tie up with next steps. So how do you prepare for sponsorship? What do you have to do to make your show attractive to a potential sponsor? So I've talked already about all the relevance, the um, talking about your audience, how engaged your audience are, tracking conversions, all that kind of stuff. So assume that that's all in place. You know what you're talking about. You know what your avatar is. You know how to sell your show to a sponsor. Next though, it's actually preparing your show itself. So first off, you've got branding. So a sponsor is going to work with somebody that has great branding. So make sure you spend a little bit of money, invest a little bit of money in some excellent cover art. Get your cover art really sparkling, something that really shines, really shows out in the iTunes store, in the catalogs. And this is something that benefits you all over, of course, because your cover art, good cover art, will make you stand out everywhere and therefore you'll get more listeners, increase your listener numbers, more sponsorship money, all that kind of stuff. But you're more attractive to a sponsor as well due to good cover art and that counts for your website as well so make sure your website looks good make sure you invest a little bit of money in getting your website branding done getting a nice design a decent professional template say you're working on wordpress pay a little bit more for a professional template that really makes your podcast website shine and make sure it's on your own domain as well so that's part of your branding you're on uh, yourdomain.com as opposed to uh, yourdomain.com blueberry.com or yourdomain.libsyn.com. You want to be on your own domain so that you own it. Uh, It's really your domain. You can track everything on there. You have power over that. That's much more attractive to a sponsor. Next, in terms of the content, think about your target and make sure the content is friendly to that. So, for example, if you're looking for a sponsor in uh, Disney, (laughs) you're a kid's show, you're like looking for a sponsorship around kids' things, you're not going to be wanting to swear in your show, for example. You're not going to want to talk about adult topics. I mean, that kind of comes naturally. If your show is targeted towards that type of person, you're probably going to be already thinking about that type of stuff. But make sure you keep your content safe for that audience so that there's nothing going to put them off. There's nothing that's going to get you in trouble. Next, we've got the stats. I mentioned that a little bit already. We've got great stats providers out there. Blueberry do great stats. The free stats, even you don't have to pay anything for them, are pretty good. They give you listener numbers. The $5 stats are great. They actually show you demographics. They show you um, stuff like devices, geographic um, location, all that kind of stuff. So it's great to get that stuff on. You can really give some uh, really in-depth numbers to your prospective sponsors. Libsyn do that too. Libsyn's a good podcast host out there too. Uh, They've got good stats on there, so you're fine with Libsyn as well and there's quite a lot of new platforms out there as well that are emerging right now as podcasting goes a bit more mainstream so um, whatever you're on make sure that you're getting good stats you can get good listener numbers you can get daily download numbers for each episode that's what you want you want to be able to click on an episode in your stats and see exactly who's downloading that episode every single day so that you can see at the two-week mark how many people have downloaded this episode at the four-week mark how many people have downloaded this episode at the six-week mark how many people have downloaded this episode that's the stats that you need um, and unique uh, downloads as well so make sure you're getting that sort of in-depth material that's what's going to sell it to a sponsor Next, create some sample ads. Create a few ads. Uh, 
in your shows that you can show to prospective sponsors. A nice way to do this is taking that cost per action approach, taking that affiliate approach. Find a product on Amazon or or take Audible, uh, take any. Find someone that offers an affiliate deal and start reading them out as a sponsor for the next month and do it as an affiliate deal. So you might get some conversions, you might not, but you start to integrate that sponsorship into your show. Uh, for a start, it gets you used to doing it uh, so that you're better at it when it comes to doing a paid one. And also you can give it as, a, you can show it to a prospective sponsor as in, this is how it works. This is how I read it out. This is where it appears in the show. This is how I do it. This is how I give it my own personality. Uh, and it just makes it much more concrete to a sponsor. It gives them a better idea of how it's going to appear uh, and lets them imagine their own slot there much more easily. You can also create a 60-second show promo. So just record something for 60 seconds, you might well have this already, that tells people about your show. It tells them what you do. It gives a bit of your personality. It gives a bit of your topic, the benefits of your show, the real sort of core topic of your show. And that's something you can send out to sponsors as well. So they're probably not going to listen through an entire show that you do to get an idea of what you do. You want to be able to send them a 60-second promo that gives them an idea of what you're about and really sells them on your show, uh, sells them that this is going to be something that's really relevant to their audience. So make sure you've got something like that to send out to people. And then the final thing is just to start the search. I talked already about how to find these people. So start that search and find somebody that's relevant to your audience. Okay, that ties us up. This is one of the longest episodes I've done in a long time, but it is one of the topics that I get asked out a lot. So I hope this covered everything that you wanted to know about sponsorship. If it didn't, by all means, please do get in touch. I want to cover everything that people want to know about sponsorship. I can edit this. I can put in extra stuff. So if you do have a question, send it through and I'll either uh, reply to you on Twitter. I can put it on the show notes, uh, whatever. I will answer whatever you want to know about sponsorship. So please do send it through. You can send it to podcraft dot net forward slash five zero four that's this episode episode number so the show notes will be at podcraft.net forward slash five zero four and you can put a comment at the bottom just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes you'll see an add a comment box write a comment in there and i'll be able to answer it there if you want to tweet me by all means as well do that at the podcast host and you can pop over to thepodcasthost.com as well to obviously see everything that we're up to as a company. New products, new courses, new production services, all that kind of stuff. If you're looking to get your podcast launched, join in on our podcast liberation course at thepodcasthost.com. You can see the podcast courses at the top or production services too. If you're looking to get your podcast produced, get our help with uh, setting yourself up, then by all means do that too. So that's us. Another show in the can. Next time around, we're going to be covering a different topic. I think next time around, I'm going to cover donations. So we're going to be talking about stuff like Patreon. We're going to be talking about asking for donations on your show, how that can work as a way of making money from your show. So look forward to to doing that, to covering that topic. That'll be another topic of this monetization series. You can look at the other topics, of course, podcraft.net forward slash series five. You can look at the full range of episodes in this series. But that's about it. That ties us up for the day, for the week. Looking forward to another episode next week. I hope you're doing well. I hope your podcasting is going well. And I hope that your search for monetization in your podcasting will be successful, that we're going to help you to make a few pennies out of your podcast to at least cover the costs, if not to actually start making a living out of your podcast. Thanks again for joining me, and I'll see you in the next one. If you want more of everything podcasting... 
from equipment guides to podcasting courses, head over to thepodcasthost.com. And don't forget to give us some feedback. Leave a comment at podcraft.net or send Colin a tweet at the podcast host. Thanks for listening.